Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message continues our series, Questions of Jesus, in a message called, Do You Believe? from Pastor Omar Lopez. Now, if you haven't, follow us on Instagram or Facebook and give us a follow at PC Paramount, and then check out our website at PraiseChapelParamount.com. Enjoy this message. There's nothing better than Jesus. Hallelujah. How many are glad you're in the house of God today? Why don't, you, why don't you turn to someone and say, you're in the right place at the right time right now. I honestly believe that. And I'll tell you what, I'm excited about this message this morning. I believe it'll help you. I believe it'll stir some faith. How many need a little bit more faith in your life? I pray that it'll build some faith in you. It'll stir some faith in you. Wonderful, wonderful story that I'm going to talk about today of the miracles of God. And uh, we've been talking about this series that we started this month, the questions of Jesus. Jesus asked a lot of questions, more than he actually gave answers. And people are really shocked when I say that. There are 339 questions that Jesus asked in the New Testament. Could it be the answer is in the question? I believe it is. And we'll be able to look at a few questions that we're going to talk about this morning. I believe it'll help you. It'll encourage you. I don't know about you, but I asked a lot of questions because I don't know the answer, right? But Jesus asked a lot of questions, not for his sake, but for your sake and my sake. Because I believe the answer was in the question that he asked. And there are various questions that he asked for various reasons. Because he wanted to interact with people. He wanted to engage people. He wanted to point things out that maybe they weren't looking at or they weren't aware of. I love this question when Jesus asked this, and most of us are probably familiar with it, in Matthew chapter 6. He said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the telephone pole or the plank that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let that speck, uh, take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a big old plank, a two by four in your own eye? Then the other one is, I like a real pointed question. He says, but what about you? He says in Mark chapter 8, he asked, who do you say that I am? So God's asking, who do you say who God is? And Peter responded, you are the Messiah. Maybe sometimes he asked questions that kind of revealed their inadequacy. They, they don't know how to feed all of these people. And the Bible says, the disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd. And Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? Because I want you to know, with God, everything is possible, even with a small loaf of bread, right? Even with a little bit of wonder bread, God can do some wonders, hallelujah. Hey, that kind of worked out, didn't it? God does wonder with wonder bread, I don't know. I'm a poet and I don't know it. Anyway, so here we are. So today, what I want to talk about specifically if I want to talk about, again, I think this will, I'll bring it home to most of us this morning. I want, to, I want to talk specifically today of those that need a touch of God. Perhaps you're in a situation right now, you're in a challenging situation. You have a problem, you don't know how to solve it on your own. You're looking for God for answers. You're looking for a miracle. So I pray this message today will speak to you and help you. It's found in the book of Matthew chapter 9 and just a few verses of scripture that I want to read to you that I believe will help you. And I kind of want to give you a context of what's happening 
in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus has just gotten off a boat. And when he gets off this boat, there's a man that says, my daughter's sick, can you come and heal her? And as he's walking, most of us know the story, as he's walking, there's a woman that touches the hem of his garment. The Bible says she has an issue of blood for 12 years. She has a bleeding ulcer of some type, and she touches the hem. She doesn't touch him. She touches the hem that's touching him. Hallelujah. And she gets healed. Then the Bible says he goes over and he finds this little girl, and the scripture says she's dead, and he walks into the room, and guess what? Raises her back to life. All of a sudden, there's news. People are shouting. People are, the news is spreading quickly about what's happened here, the miracle. And the Bible says that he goes out. There's two blind men, and this is where we're going to pick the story up. They must have heard of the miracles that Jesus was performing. And so as Jesus is passing by, we pick up the story here, Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when Jesus had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them this question. This is the question we're going to talk about today. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they answered and said, Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes, and he said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. And their sight was restored. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for truth today. Lord, some of us have walked into this building. And Lord, we're blind. Not our, not our physical sight, but our spiritual sight. We're blinded. Things have blindsided us. Things have caused us to be blind. Some hurt. Some illness. Some things that didn't work out the way we thought. And so I pray today, God, that you'll restore the sight of people today. I pray that the word of God would be alive. That, God, your word is relevant even in 2021. It's not some outdated book. It's not some fable. The word of God applies to every single part of our lives today. So I pray today that you'll awaken something today in the hearts of people. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. As I declare your word, God, that uh, people would hear the voice behind the voice, not just my voice, but God, they would hear your voice in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. So here's what I, when I begin to read the story of these two blind men following Jesus. Now let me say that again. There are two blind men that are following Jesus. Did you not get that already? There's two blind men that are following Jesus. And the Bible says that somehow Jesus ends up indoors. And guess what? The two blind men have followed Jesus indoors. How in the world? He was outside, and now they're inside, and they come to Jesus, and they're shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And here's what I want to say to all of us today, and it's a powerful principle as we begin to read this story. It talks about the attitude of these two blind men. Even though they were blind, even though they couldn't see, they didn't allow their blindness 
as an excuse not to follow Jesus. And evidently, it didn't stop them from shouting either because the Bible says they begin to shout to Jesus, have mercy on us. It teaches us that we have the ability to follow even though everything is not working right. It means they refuse to allow what wasn't working to stop them, and they utilize what was working to follow Jesus, and they begin to shout out with all of their might and all of their heart, Son of David, have mercy on us. Maybe they couldn't see, but we know they could hear. Maybe they couldn't see. Their eyes weren't working, but their ears were working. Their eyes weren't working, but their arms were, perhaps they were waving their hand. Jesus over here. Amen. Right right over here. Perhaps they were thinking, man, maybe, you know what, just tell us where he's at. Maybe they were looking for someone around and said, just tell us in what direction we need to shout in because we need to get his attention. If you're going to get ahead in life, today, if you're going to achieve a breakthrough, you're going to have to be, you're going to have to refuse to be denied by not what what is not working and get active what it is working. Somebody didn't hear what I said today. And I want to say to you today, they could have used their blindness as an excuse. But they didn't. The Bible says they shouted out to Jesus. These two blind men knew who to follow. They may have been blind, but they knew who to follow. There are people that are not blind, and they don't know who to follow. There are people that are not blind, and yet they're following the wrong people, following the wrong purpose, following the wrong pursuit and the wrong path. And I'm here to tell you today, these two blind men may have been blind, but they at least knew who to follow correctly. They were passionate about who they were following. Instead of complaining, they begin to follow. A lot of us this morning, we not, we're not blind, but we're always complaining. And we, we begin, that separates, let me just say this, it separates those that are victims and those that are victors. Because those that are victors, they're not complaining, they know who to follow. But those that are victims, and let me just tell you, the victim mentality many times is learned helplessness. It's where we learn how to be helpless because we have a condition and we use that as an excuse not to get to where we need to get to. And many times when people have this learn helplessness or this victim mentality, when you begin to tell them, how come you haven't achieved this? How come you haven't? They'll give you a laundry list of excuses and obstacles and tell you because of this and because of that, this is why I haven't gotten here. But the Bible says these guys didn't have a victim mentality. They have a victor's mentality. And they said, we're going to get to where we need to get to even though everything isn't working correctly. Can you say amen? They still had a mouth and so they used that mouth to shout. The victor knows how to get to the same place you can get to even though everything's not working right. In their mind they say, you know what? Maybe God didn't intend for me to have it working right so I'll just get to where I need to get to in order to receive my blessing. Some people are using their blindness as an excuse. Some people are using their family as an excuse. These two made it even though they were blind. 
Some people are using their hurt as an excuse. These two made it. Some people are using their pain as an excuse. These two made it. Some people are using their economic background as an excuse. When I look in the Bible, these two made it. Uh, Some people are using their geographical location. Man, I need to move out of California. These two made it. Because if you're going to be a victor, you got to learn how to get to the same place that others uh, get to when everything is not working right. Just because it isn't working doesn't mean you can't find a way to make it work. Let me say that again. Just because everything isn't working doesn't mean you can't find a way to make it work. And so instead of focusing on on what wasn't working, they utilized what was working. And the Bible said they used their arm, they used their legs, uh, amen, and they got because they didn't allow the blindness to block their blessing. Some of us this morning, we allow our blindness, I'm talking about our spiritual blindness, to block the blessing that God has for your life. God wants to bless you, God wants to do, but we use our blindness, we use our excuses to block us from our blessing. This is why I love the anointing of God. The anointing of God, believe it or not, gets you places that you can get on your own. Can I just be honest with you? The anointing of God gives you ingenuity. What do I mean by that? It allows you to solve problems and allows you to navigate through places and things that you don't even have the wisdom or the understanding We have a lot of talented people here. We have a lot of gifted people. But can I tell you something? I don't rely on all of that. I rely on the anointing of God. It navigates us. It gives us wisdom, creativity to get places that we couldn't get to on our own. And so the Bible says these two blind men are calling out to Jesus, have mercy on us, son of David. Now, why are they saying son of David? Was he actually the son of David? No, he was not the son of David, but he was in the family line of King David. And so they knew, excuse me, they knew how to refer to him because they believed that he was the Messiah. The religious people at that time refused to accept Jesus as the Messiah. In fact, they were calling out and shouting that word calling out. The Greek word is actually uh, krazo or krazo. In other words, they were shouting. They were crying out loud. It, it, they even give the comparison like crying out like a raven. Okay, like the Baltimore raven. They just cry out. They're chiones. You know what I'm saying? And so you think Baltimore raven, you think chion, yoron. And the same thing. They all go together. That's all they do. So they are crying out like, oh, how are you doing, Pastor Rob? They were crying out. uh, uh, They were crying out in a loud voice, uh, uh, trying to get Jesus' attention. In fact, Revelation chapter 12 uses the same word, krazo, as a woman crying out and giving labor. I've heard this this scream or this cry three times in my life. My wife over there, she looks really peaceful and everything, but when she's in labor, 
I've had three boys, and I'll tell you what, it's a different woman. Amen. Because when you cry out and you, you give birth, it's a different type of cry. Are you with me? So they were crying out like they were in labor because they wanted to get Jesus' attention. See, everything wasn't working, but their voice was. And said, we're going to get there even though everything's not working. See, all of us think everything has to be working right in order to get to where God wants you to get to. Everything don't have to. Just get to where God wants you to get to. Utilize what you have. Stop using it as an excuse. Now, these guys were blind. Now, I've never been blind. I can imagine how difficult it must have been for them to follow Jesus. The only experience I've ever had with any kind of blindness is when I was touching some chili and I rubbed my eye. Have you guys ever had that happen? (laughs) Can't see anything, man. Don't ever touch, you know, a jalapeno pepper, man, and then rub your eye. Don't do that. I'll give you some wisdom. So the Bible says that these guys are crying out. They're saying, Jesus, or son of David, have mercy on us. Again, it was very specific and how they were addressing Jesus when they were saying, son of David, have mercy on us. It's suggesting that they understood that he was the promised Messiah. That they didn't just see Jesus as an ordinary rabbi. That they didn't just see Jesus as a teacher, but they saw him as the fulfillment of the prophets of old that was foretold that there would be a coming Christ and the Messiah would come. And they saw him better than people saw him physically. They said, we may not be able to see you physically, Jesus, but we know who you are. We know you are the promised Messiah. See, if you don't see him correctly, you're going to miss who he really is. You can't see him right if you're looking at him wrong. you got to know who God is because the God you see is the God you get. Let me just say that again. The God that you see is the God that you get. If you see God small, if you see God insignificant, that's the God you get. The God you see is the God you get. Let me give you an example of this because I think it's very important that I'll show you in Scripture. I'm going to reference it. I don't have time to go into the story, but you can look up Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 6, and in this story, it tells us a, 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 a story of Jesus going to his hometown of Nazareth And as he's there in the synagogue, he begins to minister. He begins to uh, convey God's word. And the Bible says the people that knew him when he was younger, that knew him where he grew up, said, wait a minute. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his uh, mom, Mary, and Joseph with us? Isn't his brothers and sisters right here in the neighborhood? Isn't this just the Jesus kid that, you know, made a few uh, coffee tables for us, you know, uh, he's just a carpenter, basically. See, sometimes the people that know you best know you the least. And I want to say this to you because they were so familiar with who he had been, they didn't embrace who he had become. They did embrace now who he had become. And that's many times with our own life. Some people can't see you beyond the state that when they first met you. They don't know who you are now today. I meet people all the time. They're talking to the guy I was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I'm not that guy anymore. I'm in a whole different place 
but people can't understand that. And Jesus said this. He said, Jesus makes this statement. A prophet is without honor. A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown among his own people. So Jesus is demonstrating to them, the last time you saw me, I was the carpenter. But now when I turned 30 years old, the Holy Spirit ascended on me like a dove. And now today you're going to see the manifestation of the Son of God. See, some people just see a carpenter. Are you listening to me? And then Jesus makes one of the saddest statements in the, in, the, in the Bible that I've ever read. And we could read this together in Matthew 13, 58. And he did not do many miracles there. Why? Because of their lack of faith. Now, here's what I want to point out. It didn't say he didn't do any miracles. But the Bible says he didn't do many miracles. I'll read another version in Mark chapter 6, verse 5. And because of their unbelief, he can do any mighty miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. So what I'm saying is he, some got, a few got healed what was available for many more. Only a few got it because of their unbelief. Because some people, all they saw was the carpenter when other people saw him as the Christ. If all you see is the carpenter, you're going to get your house fixed. But if you see a Christ, you'll get your life fixed. The God you see is the God that you get. If all you see is the carpenter, uh, all you're going to get your house fixed, man. But if you see the Christ, he'll fix your life. He'll save your life. He'll change your life. He'll transform. How big is your God today? How big is the God that you see? So the Bible says, these blind men, they said, son of David, have mercy on me, or mercy on us. And Jesus said this question. Again, here's the, we're talking about questions. He said, do you believe I am able to do this? He asked him, do you believe I'm able to do this? Because we can shout, he is the champion, you are my champion. We can sing, he is my champion. We can lift our hands, but do you actually believe he is your champion? Do you actually believe, believe he is your champion? Because many times we can shout, son of David, have mercy on me. But do you actually believe that he has mercy on you? I love this quote. I learned this quote when I was a young believer. I heard someone say it at a conference, and I've never forgotten it. And I'm gonna, I'm, I want to quote it correctly because I had to write it down again because it's been a while since I heard it. It says, what we say we believe is not actually what we believe. But what we believe is demonstrated by the actuality of our life. I'm going to say that again. A lot of people say you believe in God, you love Jesus. It says what we say we believe is not actually what we believe. But what we believe is demonstrated by the actuality of your life. You can shout son of David. You can sing son of David. But did you actually believe that he is the son of David? Because it would be demonstrated by the actuality of your life. 
See, they're living, listen to me, these blind men are living in the state without sight. They are existing, they are functioning, but they refuse to live for less than God's best. Right? So they're saying, man, we're going to pursue, because I'm going to tell you something, when you're pursuing something, that means you believe in something. When you're pursuing something, that means you believe in something. The Bible says when Jesus had gone indoors, again, he had gone indoors, they found a way, uh, they, kept, they kept following, somehow they kept in step with him, somehow they were able to find where he was at, and again, they're crying out, again, like the raven cry, amen, they're crying out, and, and maybe, you know, Jesus wanted them, to, the Bible says that Jesus went indoors, so could it be Jesus must have heard them crying. You know what I mean? Because the Chionas, I mean, he was hearing them crying. And he basically ignored them because the Bible says he ends up indoors. Could it be that Jesus wanted to see how much faith they really had? Could it be that Jesus really wanted to see how much they really trusted him? Could it be? Could it be they were so desperate? I'll talk about desperation versus faith. Because sometimes all we're doing is we're desperate, but we have no faith. I'll talk about that in just a minute. But could it be that they were following Jesus and they were desperate? They wanted a touch of God. And he responds, do you believe I am able to do this? In other words, do you believe I have the power to heal you? Do you believe I have the power and the ability to touch your life? And they said, yes, Lord. And the Bible says he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, it shall be done. Not according to your income, not according to how old you are and how young you are, not according to how much money you have, not according to how much you come to church, not according to any of those things, what you wear, according to what? Your faith. So it's telling us that God responds to faith. Now listen to me, this is where a lot of us can get in trouble because we start talking about faith and then we start marking people when things aren't happening, you must not have had enough faith. It comes from the people of God. We know what the Bible says when it comes to faith. It says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six. it's impossible to please God. And again, I am talking about building your faith, but I want to say to you that many times people get caught up in the wrong kind of faith or they begin to tell you, you didn't have enough faith. You didn't pray long enough. You didn't pray hard enough. You didn't pray the right combination of words. You were supposed to be binding and loosening. You were supposed to pray in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost but you only prayed in Jesus' name. You didn't have, you weren't shouting enough. Uh, You didn't uh, lift your voice enough. So therefore, you don't have enough faith. And so it didn't happen. You didn't have it right. Yet we honor God when he moves and then we take the blame when he doesn't move. See, God honors faith even though you don't believe it. You still, even though you don't see it, you still believe it. These guys hadn't seen anything and said, do you believe I can do this? They said, yes. They they hadn't seen anything. Right? But yet they still believed. Long before it ever happened, they were still believing. Do you believe God can do things in your life? 
Do you believe God can heal a relationship? Do you believe God can move in your life? Because how you pray really reflects how much faith you have. Now, what do I mean by that? What have you been praying about? What have you been praying about? Some of us this morning, we pray, you know, uh, I'm praying for traveling mercy. Well, the chances of you getting in an accident is very slim to none. I'm not saying don't pray about that. Some of us, all the only time we pray is over our food. God bless this food, let it nourish our body. And you're, you're eating tacos and you're eating donuts. I don't know how it's going to nourish your body, but all the grease and french fries, God, let it, let it nourish my body. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make your body bigger. But anyway, that's a whole other sermon. So how big you pray indicates how much faith you believe in a big God today. And so what you pray about reveals, uh, uh, amen, the faith that you have in God. And it has to be persistent prayer. Let me just tell you something. God honors persistent prayer even though you don't see it happening yet. You've been praying for that person. You don't see anything happening yet. You've been believing God for that person. It seems like they're not even paying attention. I was thinking about my wife. When, my, when I met my wife, she would come to the gym. I was in gymnastics. I know I don't look like that anymore, but, but I had this great gymnastics body at one time. And I was there, and I would be at the gym. And she, I thought she was coming to see me, but she was coming to see Bozo, my friend. That's what I call him. Bozo, that's right, Bozo. People ask him, what was Bozo's name? B-O-Z-O, Bozo was his name Oh, amen. And Bozo was his name Oh, that's it. That's how I make it up. Anyway, so she came to look at him, but, but I, I don't know if I was praying. I think I was praying, because I said, this, this woman, she's following the wrong person. She's blind, and she, doesn't really, she don't realize that I'm the guy that she wants. It's true. It's true. I mean, I had seen her. She hadn't seen me. But I said, I'm going to make her see me one way or another. Because I, I need her to believe that I'm the guy for her. And guess who won? I won, right? Persistent prayer. Even my iPad agrees. So Luke chapter 18, the story of a woman that goes to Jesus or goes to the unjust judge. I won't get into the whole story, but the Bible says this widow woman goes to this judge who is wicked. He doesn't have any consideration of God, but because she is so persistent and she keeps bugging him over and over, the Bible says this unrighteous judge said, I'm unmoved by uh, any of these things. I'm not even moved by God, but because this woman is is persistent, I have to respond. And Jesus said, if an unrighteous judge would be moved by the persistence of someone, how much more would a loving father respond to the faithful, persistent prayers of his children? Hallelujah. So we have to keep being persistent even though we don't see it. Even though you don't see it, he's working. Can you say amen? He's doing something behind the scenes. And again, Jesus asked this important question, and I want to get back to that today. He said, do you believe I am able to do it? Why is the question important? Because your question, whenever the power of a question is, the question will determine your conclusion. Many times, the question that you ask, it determines mean the conclusion that you come to. We're not asking the right question. 
a lot of us are asking the wrong question. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. There's a lady in the Old Testament by the name of Sarah. She is 90 years old. She is past childbearing, her childbearing years. How many would agree with that? And the Bible says that God tells Abraham, by this time next year, your wife is going to be holding a baby boy in her arms. And the Bible says Sarah is listening. You know, I know women don't do that, but she's listening there by the tent. I know women are not doing that. They're not cheesemen, but she's listening, hearing what's going on. And the Bible says that she laughs within herself. Like, yeah, right, I'm 90 years old. I'm sure going to be holding a baby by next year. Ha, ha, ha. And she laughs. And God said, I heard you laugh. And she said, I didn't laugh. Yeah, you did laugh. But I love what God says to her. And God says to Abraham, he says to them both, is there anything too hard for God? See, that's the question. Is there anything too hard for God? See, if we ask the question, can a 90-year-old woman have a baby, we come to a conclusion that basically there's no way. But that's not the right question. The right question is, is there anything too hard for God? See, we get a lot of philosophers and a lot of thinkers out there. Well, can God do this and can God do this? Can God create a fish to swallow a man for three days? He did it. God made a whale swallow Jonah. And, you know, can that even happen? Can a man build an ark and for 40 days and 40 nights? You're asking the wrong question. Mr. Philosopher, you're asking the wrong question. The question is, is there anything too hard for God? And the answer is, no, there is nothing too hard for God. God is well able and above to do that. Can you say amen? We're asking the wrong question. This is why Jesus asked questions, because he's trying to get them to ask the right ones. You're asking the wrong ones. See, many times the answer, like I said earlier, is in the question. And obviously Jesus knew that these guys believed in him. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been following him. But he wanted to point something out to them. And this is what I want to point out to all of you. He's asking them, do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe God could specifically do this right now? I'm not asking you, do you believe it'll work out? Do you believe I can work it out? I'm not asking you to believe it can be done. I'm asking you to believe that I can do it. Because just because you're asking doesn't mean you really believe it. You could be desperate. Remember I talked about that? Just because you're asking doesn't mean you have faith. It could be that you're just desperate. See, faith, listen to me, the difference between desperation and faith, faith is committed to Jesus. Desperation is committed to the outcome. And a lot of us this morning, believe it or not, when it comes to being committed to the outcome, we'll, we'll do whatever we feel like doing, even abandoning Jesus in order to get the outcome. So your, 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 your faith is not in Jesus. Your desperation is in the outcome, not in who Jesus is. Again, I, I, I appreciate desperation. But desperation by itself is not enough. Your desperation needs to be in, their, in line and in commitment to Jesus. Can you say amen? That he has the answer. Can you say amen? 
So the Bible says that these guys, they come to Jesus. They must have heard, again, that Jesus had healed this woman with an issue of blood. They must have heard that this young girl was raised from the dead. And so they're coming to Jesus, believing that maybe the Lord would listen to them. Because I want you to know, so many times we're so desperate, instead of having faith, that we've become discouraged. And could it be that Jesus is asking you this question, do you believe I can do this? Or have you been losing for so long that you don't believe winning is possible? Could it be that you've been losing for so long that you don't believe that you can get over this? That you don't believe you can get a breakthrough? That the same thing is going to happen again? Could it be that you've been talking to that person for so long that they're still making the same destructive decisions over and over again. Do you believe he can do it? We often think, man, over and over, this person, you know, I'm thinking about our faith because when we have our faith in God, the Bible says the testing of our faith produces patience. So faith is tested with time. It's not always how big your faith is. How many know all you need is the size of the mustard seed? I believe it's how strong your faith is in the endurance of time. Because that, that seed, man, is buried. That seed is down. But it's the strength of that seed. It's the power in that seed. Can you say amen? It's the ability to sustain time. Can I keep believing even though things aren't, I can't see anything happening? Can I keep believing even though things are down? See, the enemy's tactic, let me, let me just say this to all of you. The enemy's tactic is to wear down your faith. It's to get you this morning to a point where you suffer faith fatigue, where you're saying, man, I don't know if I can do this. Yet the Bible said, be not weary in well-doing because in due season you're going to reap what you sow. But the devil, listen to me, the devil will try to wear down your faith and get your faith to faint. This is why the Bible said, do you believe I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. I love this because they're, now, they're not calling him son of David anymore. They're calling him Lord. He's the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. He's Yahweh. He's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He's the God Almighty. They're looking at Jesus in a different way now. All of a sudden, their faith, man, has grown to a place where they're not just calling him the son of David. They are now calling him Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And the Bible says he touched their eyes and he said, according to your faith, let it be done. This healing was his desire from the beginning, but many times it requires our participation. We want God to do everything. Where's, where's your participation at? What are you doing? Are you following him? Are you in line with him? And, and here's the word that leaped out to me. And I, I want our worship team. They can come up right now. Here's the word that leaped out to me that I think is very important. The Bible said Jesus touched their eyes and their sight was restored. Now, what, why, why did that word leap out to me? Because restored means that it's possible they weren't blind their whole life, that their eyesight was restored to them. The Bible doesn't use the word restore to blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus is calling out, asking for, for healing. 
and he healed them. The Bible doesn't say they were restored. That word restore means to restore to the original intent. So something happened. Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't be distracted by the worship team. I'm not done yet. Something happened for them to lose their sight. Something happened. They lost their sight. They couldn't see anymore. And Jesus said, I'm trying to give you back what you lost. There are different ways we can lose our sight. Illness or injury. Most of us this morning in here, you've lost your sight, not by illness, but by injury. See, we have two sets of eyes in our head, right here, and right here. This sight right here gives you, you can see physically, but this sight in here gives you vision to see beyond, to see beyond with your life. But what happens many times, there hurt that happens in our life, damages our faith, and now we can't see here anymore. We've been damaged. Things have caused some loss in our life. And when this gets hurt, we lower our expectation. Now we don't believe we can get to this place. Now we've been disappointed. And the enemy uses that to steal your sight. You don't see the same way you used to see you're following Jesus, you're worshiping Jesus, but you're not following him with the same sight. You've lost your sight. Walls have come up now and you don't really believe the same anymore. The relationship that you thought was going to be restored was not. The person you thought was going to live didn't live. Things that you thought were going to happen, you've been hurt. You're walking through the Red Sea and Pharaoh's chasing you. But he, he didn't drown, you did. All of these things have happened, caused this injury in our lives this morning. We've lost our sight. Now we're in pain. And I know how the enemy works today. The enemy's a liar. And he'll use that pain to kill your future. Let me tell you something. A lot of the pain in our past was to kill your your future because if he can kill you right now get cause that pain in your path you'll never fulfill the future that has that God has for you the pain in your path is not always about the past it's always about your future because he knows if he can snuff you out he knows he can eliminate your future the Bible says when Jesus was born that the enemy put it on the heart of Herod to, to try to kill, not, not to try to kill Jesus for, the, for Jesus being that baby, but to try to kill his future. A lot of your pain that you're going through this morning, the devil is trying to stop you. He's trying to stop you in your path because he knows you have a great future. And when pain hits you, listen to me, it mutates to a thief. And the thief robs your faith. It robs what God's trying to do in your life. It robs that hope that you have. It robs that expectation that you have. It robs that vision that you had. It robs you. It mutates you a thief. Some of you have allowed the thief to rob your faith. To rob you of your destiny. See, the pain in your path has never been about the path. It's been about the future. 
And so now you're presently right now, you're so wounded, you're so hurt, you're so blind, you can't even see the future. And God says, I want to restore your sight. God says, I want to restore. I want to heal your pain. I want to heal. I want you to open your eyes again. Because you're walking around blinded. You're walking around lost. And I want to restore your sight so that you can believe again. Instead of running from the giant, you're running toward the giant. You're a giant slayer. You're a victor in the name of Jesus. That's where God wants to bring you today. I want us to bow our heads in reverence to the Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, today, your question to us, do you believe I can do this? God, we believe that you can do this. We believe, God, that you're unlimited. We believe, God, that there is nothing too hard for you. God, that you're well able. Now, Father, right now, across this room, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around this morning, you're in this room right now. Maybe somebody brought you. Maybe you came on your own. However, I'm going to tell you right now, you, it, uh, too much of a coincidence to be a coincidence that you're here listening to this message because God wanted you to hear this message because you needed to hear this today. There's been hurt, there's been wounds, there's been pain that have blinded you from God's love, from God's grace for you, from your destiny with God. And I'm here to tell you, God wants to open up your eyes again. God wants to come into your life right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, Christians praying quietly. If you're in this room right now, or maybe you're listening online, I don't want you to leave the same way you came. I want you to leave with your eyes open. I want you to leave with a new, a new life, a changed life. But it's going to take you coming to Jesus. It's going to take you recognizing who Jesus really is. He's not just a rabbi. He's not just a teacher. He's the son of God. He died on the cross for you. The Bible said he gave his life for God so loved the world that he gave his life for you. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God wants to give you a new life. And so if you're in this room right now, be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. You can't fool God. God knows what's going on in your life right now. Be honest. Say, you know what, Pastor? I need the Lord in my life. I need Jesus. I believe who he is. I believe he can do it. I need Jesus in my life today. If that's you, no, no one looking around, every eye closed, every head bowed right now. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need the Lord in my life. Would you just raise your hand real quick? So that's me back there. Who else? Several people back there. Thank you. Who else? Anybody else? Amen. You Just raise your hand real quick. I'm not here to embarrass you. Thank you. Put your hand down. Anybody else? You're in this place right now. God dealing with you. You're blinded, man. I'm telling you. Your hurt, your pain, your path has blinded you and it's become a thief and is robbing you right now from the destiny God has for you. I'm here to tell you today, open your eyes. God loves you. He cares about you. Raise your hand if you haven't raised it up right now. Say, Pastor, I need the Lord. This young lady, God bless you. Thank you. 
This young lady over here, thank you for raising your hand. Who else? Several people already raising their hand. Thank you. I appreciate your honesty. Thank you. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Don't leave here the same way you walked in. I'm here to tell you that it's not a coincidence I'm ministering this message. You needed to hear this. Listen. Open your eyes. Raise your hand. That's all it takes. Do you believe? And they said, yes, Lord. Will you say yes, Lord? Or are you saying no, Lord? It's about time you say yes, Lord. Raise your hand. Who else? Who else in this room right now? You'd raise your hand. Say, yes, Lord. I need Jesus in my life. Yes, Lord. Who are you? Who are you right now? Raise your hand. You haven't raised it up already. Hallelujah. You raised up your hand. Look up at me right now. Look up at me. You guys mean that? You mean that? Would you come? Would you just meet me right down here? I'm not here to embarrass nobody. Stand to your feet. Come on. Come on. There's some people right here in the second row. Come. They're coming. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Come. 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 We're going to pray for you. Several more. Come on. Give, give them a hand clap. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Who else? There's some men out there that you need to come. Be a man. Be a man. Be a man and say, you know what? I'm going to serve God, man. It takes a man to serve God. Any sissy could do what everybody else is doing. But it takes a man to say, I'll stand for God. I'll be different. I don't have to follow the crowd. Come. Come. I invite you to come. Anybody else? Maybe you were once walking with God and you know exactly what I'm talking about today. And you're away from God. You need to come right now. We'll pray for you. We want, to, we want to believe God. Anybody else, just come. Man or woman, just come right now. We'll pray with you this morning. Why don't we all stand together out there right now? We're going to pray for you. Amen. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. You came today. Say this prayer. Don't say it to me, but say it to God. Say, Lord Jesus. Say it out loud. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose again. I ask you, Lord. Come in my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Make me a new person. Open my eyes so that I can follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Father, right now, right now, right now, I'm going to open the altar this morning. Maybe there's been some hurt. Come on, just come, just come. There's been some hurt, some things that have caused some damage to your sight, had some damage to your faith today. Some things have come in and wounded you. Uh, man, have hurt you. Uh, and you're saying, man, I can't see. I'm not seeing the same way I used to see. I used to have more faith. I used to believe in God. I used to have stirring faith, man. I used to have supernatural faith. But there's some things in my life that have, the thief has robbed me. The hurt, the wound has robbed me, has robbed my faith, has robbed my condition. But God, I pray today, God, you open my eyes again. Restore right now. God wants to restore. He wants to restore your faith. He wants to restore your life today. Just come to this altar today. You're going to believe God like you used to. Not going to be the small thing. You're going to believe God once again. Some things have hurt you that have robbed you. And you're saying, God, today, open my heart. Open my heart today. Right now, open my heart.
Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.